Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And I didn't see you on the uh, HBO 24-7 for ASU. I was there. I was there very briefly. Uh, the, the, the shot of the first drive that Washington State had when they had the angle uh, as they were going for it on the third, well, the third down play right before they went for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. I was in the background. Well, I did not. My eagle eye did not spot you. I yeah, was too I mean, you busy. wouldn't have known it. You wouldn't have known it if you weren't expecting it. Uh, you know, I as soon as they showed that shot, I thought, "Wait a minute, that I could be in that," and and I was, but it wasn't close enough to be like, "Hey, uh, I recognize that guy." You, you'd have to be looking for it. I think I was distracted by the dulcet tones of Liev Schreiber. <laughs> weren't we all? Yes, <laughs> yes. But uh, uh, what do you think? I thought it was a tremendous piece of recruiting material. It really was. I, I agree. It was, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, like I'm not a high school athlete. I wasn't, I'm not now, but man, it got me pumped. Now, granted I'm biased. I mean, I'm already a, an ASU guy. Um, but man, it was, you know, Herm was a scene stealer. I mean, he, he chewed up a lot of scenery and, and I think he was in just about every scene, uh, you know, maybe about 80% of the scenes he was in it. It was, it was his show and he came off pretty good. Yeah. It look, the, the team stayed on message, right? The, yes. the message was we're an NFL model. We will do our best to get you prepared for the next level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we don't recruit people who we don't think are good enough to play at this level. Yeah. Yeah. We are building something the holdovers who came from the old coaching staff believe in us. The new people believe in us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it gets you fired up as a fan because now, granted, it, you know, certainly it's a it's a show that is well, it's designed to make you look good, but it's also it's not it's not a show that ASU produced. You know, it's not. I mean, we've seen the Hard Knocks episodes, and obviously, uh, you know, HBO is behind those, and they the teams don't always come off looking good. You know, or players don't, you know, and like sometimes they, you know, so it's, it's not necessarily total propaganda. Certainly they were projecting an image. I mean, I'm not foolish enough to say like, oh, it was, you know, total reality and we saw every gritty scene and we didn't. Um, but it, you know, it just, it gives you a sense of like, everybody's driving on the same track, the coaches, the players, uh, you know, everybody's on the same page and. That's that's hard to do when you got that many people involved. Um, easier when you're winning, and we're winning so far. And we, you know, we had a good year last year. Um, you know, as Herm said this week, you know what what happens when you hit potholes? We don't know that yet. Um, but yeah, just it just you know, it got me very fired up for what this this team is doing now, and what they can do the rest of this year, and hopefully in the next few years as well. The interesting piece to me, is the amount of FaceTime we got for Antonio Pierce versus the FaceTime we got for Danny Gonzalez. Danny Gonzalez got the feature story yeah. about his wife and yeah. kids. Right, um, right. Though that did feel in part like a just a way to transition to Herm's wife and kids. Um, True. <laughs> yeah, But yeah. the in-the-moment interviews, the one-on-ones, were mm-hmm. mostly Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, more than more than anybody. Uh, well, besides Herm, obviously, you know, Herm was start to finish the the, the main guy. But yeah, I mean, if you were uh, if you did the credits for that show, 
you know, Herm was, was the star. Herm's name would have come before the title. Uh, Antonio Pierce would have been probably the second or third name up. Mm-hmm. I thought Daniels came across well. Me too. Me too. Yes. I thought he, you know, he, he managed and, and looked, looked good, looked, you know, like he was comfortable in the spotlight, which, you know, you want from, from that position. And, um, you know, one of the things I'm sure you enjoyed, uh, I did was, you know, the shots of him walking on campus, because that was, you know, that was areas that we were at. You saw the student union, you saw, you know, Coor Hall, I believe that was the, the I think place that's they the showed class going into into. class. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. Yeah. From the outside. And, you know, we had, we had classes in that building, maybe not that exact room, but that was part of what was so cool for me was just to see, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, crossing university to, you know, that was, that was the street we used to cross all the time when we come from subway, which is no longer there. Uh, but I think that was Forrest going down toward, you know, Neeb and then Coor and, uh, you know, I mean, you have to be an ASU guy to, to get that. Um, but yeah, I thought he came off well. Um, uh, you know, part of me wonders if that scene with the girl coming up and saying, come to football on Sunday was staged or Saturday, I should say. Um, that's maybe just a cynic in me because it just seemed almost like too good to be true. Like, you know, oh, the star quarterback is so, you know, the school's so big that no one knows the star quarterback. Um, but maybe it was legit. Uh, you know, it certainly could be. I do think it's possible that someone would not recognize him because it's, it's not possible. basketball. You know, not, Re- you know Remy Martin's going to get recognized. And he hasn't been around that long. Uh, you know, I mean, in, in two years, that would be harder to believe if he's still the quarterback and still playing well. And, you know, you're going to I mean, if he if, if he finishes this year the way things are going, he's going to be the face all over the marketing next year. And you're going to see him on TV and posters and billboards. And, uh, you know, he, he'll he'll be the face of the program, uh, hopefully for the next two to three years. And in California, um, he'd be paid for his face being on all those. He things. would. He would. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, of course, he can't get any slice of that pie that ASU is going to make by using his face, not yet at least. Uh, but, you know, it's possible. I mean, certainly, is it is it possible, more than possible, but almost a certainty that not every kid on campus knows who Jaden Daniels is? Sure. There's 40,000 kids on campus, more, maybe more than that. And, you know, there's what? Uh, a, a thousand or so that go to the games, <laughs> you know. So yeah, there's a whole lot of people who wouldn't know, but it just almost seemed too good to be true, um, it, you know. But maybe it is legit. I don't know. Uh, I guess the the cynic and seeing kind of some sometimes the things that are done behind the scenes to film things. I, I think you know, eh, can I believe it? I don't know. But nonetheless, if it was legit, he played it off well. He was humble. Um, you know, I, I I thought he came off well, but certainly Herm came off great. I mean, you know, if you if you watch that, unless you're a diehard ASU hater, uh, you who watch that and had to think, you know, boy, this guy, I I love this guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he came off very good the entire way. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's great that it happened. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I am more confused now on what the role of an analyst is on a college football team. <laughs> Because referring it, to Marvin Lewis, yeah, or Kevin Mawai, or both. It, it, well, it certainly seemed like Marvin Lewis was at practice. Uh, oh, yeah, I think so. And, yeah, yeah, and I, that he talked to players, um, and, and he's on the sidelines at home games. I don't know if he travels. I, I haven't seen that. Um, you know, I mean, of course, only well, I guess our road games have actually been on TV this year. 
but I saw him on, you know, right in, I mean, not just on the sideline for the Colorado game, but the bench area. It wasn't like he was just watching from the sideline to get that view. He was in the bench area, so, I, yeah, I don't know. It, that feels like a gigantic loophole, doesn't it? You know, like, mm. oh, you can only have this many coaches, but you can have any number of analysts, and they can pretty much do everything the exact same except for a few little things, I guess. Yeah, so overall, though, I, I thought that it was good. I'm glad that ASU was involved. I, I, I think more and more the, the hire of Herm Edwards shows that mm-hmm. we are – becoming increasingly national in our we are, we exposure. Are. And, and, and for good reasons. You know, I mean, when that hire was first made, we got a lot of talk nationally, but mostly for parodies and poking fun and all that. Um, and now people are, you know, they're noticing. I mean, you know, you, you start, I read, I think, either this week or last week, Pat Forty, part of his, you know, 40-yard dash was, you know, second-year coaches and all the second-year coaches that are struggling. And then the, the little mention of, hey, there's a few that are doing really well. And one is, oh, Herm Edwards. Like, wow, okay, you know, wouldn't have guessed that when that hire was announced. That was, you know, people probably wrote their advanced column about let's rip how bad it is. But it's going pretty well. Now it's, you know, it's a year and a half. But, yeah, it's going well. And, and maybe old Ray Anderson knew what he was doing. Yeah, I think so. So uh, far, at least. So that was a win. The Washington State game was a win. The coverage of the game was a win. Which was, I mean, a great game, too, to have featured on that, you know, given the way it went and the back and forth, and you win in dramatic fashion. And, I mean, you know, you couldn't ask for a better game result for that show. Absolutely. If we had been on the program and lost, you know, 34-31. Would have been a different tone to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'd it, be interesting. Um, you know, I watched the Florida one and I watched the Penn State one and they both won their game. Florida was, you know, and I, and I wonder too, be interesting to know the background. Florida was the week they played Towson. Was that a Florida decision? Because you'd have to think HBO would have wanted a more dramatic matchup. Uh, Penn State was their game against Purdue, which, you know, okay, a, a Big Ten team, but nonetheless not a, not a really big rival. Um, you know, it'll be interesting if Washington State loses. I mean, how, how they would cover a team that loses that week because there's only one left. If they if they win this week, I guess we won't know. Yeah. Um, but I am glad we did put it that way. Yeah. Well, and it, I'm glad that it was last week because this week the Devils are a 13-and-a-half-point underdog on the road at Utah. Um, the Utes are number 13 in the country. Two and one in conference, five and one overall. They are holding opponents to under 275 yards of offense a game and under 53 rush yards per game. Our offensive line has not opened big running lanes. Utah doesn't allow running lanes to open. Yeah. Not a great recipe for us. It's not. I mean, it's a game that I think if we're going to win it, it's going to be one with with kind of a similar recipe to what we've won the first two road games with, which is, you know, don't turn the ball over, uh, capitalize when you have opportunities on offense. You know, when you, when you do have a drive, you need to get points, um, and, and play good defense and try to, you know, try to get the game into the fourth quarter and, and put the points on the board when you need them. And, uh, you know, we, we did that the first two games on the road 
against similar type of teams. Uh, you know, defensive, good teams, not necessarily explosive offenses. I mean, this this feels fairly similar. Um, you know, I think Utah probably overall is better than Michigan State Cal, but not by tremendous amounts. But I would say they're better, but it's not like we're playing, you know, the number one team in the country here or anything like that. So it shouldn't feel foreign. You know, I don't know if it'll be the same result, but it definitely shouldn't feel like, oh, we're in over our heads. I mean, this is this is similar to what we've already faced. You know, Utah has some built-in advantages at Rice Eccles. It's they've got a sure. loud student section. They're at altitude. Sure. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think we've gone in there and won before. It wouldn't be a stretch yeah. to go in there and win again. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I think. You know, I said this the last time we talked. I mean, you could argue that our two best performances, our best performances in each of the last two years, was against Utah. Uh, beat, beat them at home last year fairly convincingly, um, and beat them up there two years ago fairly convincingly. Now, last year's game comes with the caveat: both you know Moss and Huntley got hurt during the game, and that allowed us to kind of take the game over. Um, you know, but nonetheless, we played well. You know, we 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 played very well in that game and. So we'll see. You know, I mean, they're a good team, and and yeah, they deserve to be favored based on you know what what was expected of them, what they've done so far this year. But they've also shown a little bit of vulnerability. Uh, you know, USC was able to get some big plays on their defense, and 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 they struggled to finish against USC. You know, finish drives. They had a couple of drives deep that they got no points on. So you know, you you got to try to copy that uh, formula a little bit. What what USC did to them. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned both Huntley and Moss. One thing that Utah has done this year, as they have really done consistently, they protect the ball well. Huntley does not yeah. have an interception. Now, he is 99 of 131 for just under 1,400 yards and nine TDs. Compare that to the 176 attempts for Daniels. Difference, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But to me, the more interesting comparison is Moss has 15 fewer yards than Eno Benjamin and one less touchdown, but he's done it on 68 carries to Eno's 125. Wow. Yeah. So he has 514 yards and six touchdowns on only 68 carries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously they've had, they've had better success as a, as a running team. Now I would, I would say their schedule has been easier than ours thus far. Um, I mean, you know, they, they played BYU. BYU has not proven to be that good of a team. We weren't quite sure at the beginning of the year what they were. Um, you know, and, and I think other than that, outside of conference, nothing too no. difficult. No, Northern Illinois, they who they beat, yeah. and Idaho yeah. State, who they shut out. Yeah, yeah. But our, um, our common Oregon opponent, State. though, if you want to go common opponent, home game against Washington State, they won 38-13 to our 38-34. Yeah, yeah, and they, they shut them down in the second half. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it was 17-13 at the half, and then they, they dominated them after halftime. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're a good team. They were the favorite in the South to start the year. They haven't done anything to necessarily talk you out of that. Um, and, and yet, I don't know about you, maybe I maybe not, but I feel okay about this. Like, I... I don't know. I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm getting sucked into the show and the magic of last week's win, and you know reality will slap me across the face here in 48 hours. But 
I'm not feeling too scared. I'm not saying we're going to roll in there and beat them by 30 points or anything, but I think we can win this game. Well, I think that let's just go to the predictions because okay. we are, I don't think, not in good. agreement. Um, okay, well, we haven't been good at predicting, I know, this year. Um, <laughs> I mean, game by game, at least. I, I, I had us losing to Michigan State. I had us losing to Cal. Uh, I had us losing to Colorado. I was right about that. And we did have them winning last week. We, we did both pick wins. So, okay, well, well let's, let's go to it for this week. I'm picking Utah to win 24-13. I just don't okay. know that we can get anything going. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, the the logical side of my brain agrees with you. You know, I mean, like, you look at this, and, and it certainly could be that. I mean, it, it certainly could be that type of game where you just feel like, you know, kind of like what I thought would happen against Michigan State, but didn't because we, our defense held us in and we did finally score at the end. Where it just feels like we're constantly there with a chance, but can't actually move the ball to take that chance. Um, but I just feel like this offense is growing. I feel like Jaden Daniels is growing a lot, and the receivers are playing better. And, and so I feel more confident than I did, you know, five weeks ago when we played at Michigan State, or even three weeks ago when we played Cal. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Sun Devil win. I hope I'm not overly optimistic. I'm going to say, you know, similar to what we've done all year, I'll go uh, 24-21. Yeah, and I, I hope you're right. My concern is Utah's offense is more efficient than it has been, I think. I think that they're that, running the true. ball better. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, Huntley's been there, I think, since the Reagan administration. <laughs> yeah, I think Huntley – Took over for Alex Smith, if I'm not mistaken. That's how it yeah. feels. I think, he, uh, yeah, I think he was recruited by <laughs> Urban Meyer in his last year. It's amazing when you have a when you have a four year, and he's not even a four year starter. I mean, he played some as a freshman, but but he's only a three year starter. But it, yeah, it's it's funny how that can be. It's like Stephen Montez, same feeling. You you stay around for four years, especially when we play him every year. It feels like God, they're there for like fifteen years. But. You know, I, I'm just concerned because I, I agree with you that our defense will keep them under 30. I think that that's a reasonable that's expectation. A but, yeah, yeah. But I just don't know that we can generate the offense. And, and look, yeah. I think I'm with you. I think Daniels has made great improvements. But if I know that we can stuff the run – in our base defense, then you can throw all kinds of crazy stuff in the back end, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And and you're right. I mean, I I would, I guess I'd say this as I, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, you know, I would say that, yeah, we beat Michigan state Cal when they were both ranked in the top, what, 20 at least, maybe both top 15. They were, Michigan state was 18. Cal was 15. Okay. Cal was 15. Yeah. And, and I remember saying, especially about Cal, that I wasn't sure that ranking was justified. You know, it's always hard to say. But I think Utah is probably a legitimate top 15 team. I mean, I, I so far what I've seen and what I've seen from other teams across the country, what I've watched, I think they deserve that spot. And so are we ready to go in on win against a legitimate top 15 team and maybe not a team that was, that was overrated by being where they were? I'm not sure yet. I don't know. You know, I mean, this could be 
one of those, you know, one of those games where, you know, you get a little humble pie and you realize, okay, you know, things are, things are going good, but we're not quite at that level yet. But I just, I know, I mean, again, I might be buying into the romance of watching that show last night and what we did last week and thinking, you know, magic's on our side right now. I could be wrong though. I mean, you know, you, you, once you start believing that again, a lot of times reality hits you right across the face. But the, the flip side to that, though, which is a point that you have cautioned me on historically over our <laughs> friendship, is yes. sometimes when you start thinking you should win, yeah. you start winning. But, yeah, you know? and the opposite. You know, we've had teams that are the opposite, too, where it's like every close game doesn't go our way, and you start to kind of just feel that sense of dread. Like, uh, how are we going to find a way to lose this one? But yeah, there. You know, especially college football, probably more than any other sport, because a you're talking about college kids. B there's such a small sample of games, twelve games. You know, I mean, Herm said it last night, and, and it's true when you think about it. You spend so much time practicing and preparing compared to how much time you actually play a game in college football, and and so you can get on those those magic carpet rides and. You know, they can carry you sometimes. And you have teams, I mean, I'll, I'll always remember our 07 team as being that. That team wasn't that good. And it was proven the next year when most of the team came back and they went 5-7. and seven. But but they just, they got some breaks early. They won some games. They, they were down in and they got a break of a soft early schedule as well. And all of a sudden you're 8-0 and you're, you know, ranked in the top 10 in the country. And And so, you know, I think this team might be better than that, more legitimate than that. But it does feel like, you know, you got you got a little bit of, of magic on your side right now. You're finding ways to win games that you, in the past, ASU teams have found ways to lose. Um, and, and so, who knows? You know, I mean, like I said, you say that and I could look foolish if we're down, you know, 21 to 3 in the fourth quarter and we've got, you know, 30 yards of total offense. Be like, yeah, where's your magic now? Um, but it just feels like this team has something special going and so I'm going to keep riding it. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I think that is true, and, and I do think that they are getting better. I think that the, you know, the the other thing that, you know, they didn't really talk about on the show, but that I, I'm starting to come around on, and it comes with the idea of, you know, when you're in the games and you lose, you think, how are you going to blow it? Well, we're just in a lot of close games, and, and not yes. a lot of teams are, and that's one of the things that you see with teams that are good where they struggle like Georgia last week. Like right, so, right. sometimes when you're used to blowing teams out and you expect to win, right. when you find right. yourself just sort of still in a ball game late, true. It's true. You, know, you see it that becomes, in college basketball all the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. When you roll over teams and then you get challenged and it's like, how do you respond? Um, uh, you know, I mean that I think is, is maybe one of the blessings in disguise for Clemson that they had that North Carolina game. I mean, you might look back on that game for them. I don't, who knows, but you might look back on that game and think, okay, that was the game where they passed the test of like, okay, we can, we can survive a close game. We can survive a game. Things aren't going well and make plays at the end. Um, yeah, this ASU team has had plenty of those last year. And now this year, it's, it's not going to feel uncomfortable if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter. They're going to be like, Oh God, what do we do? Uh, that doesn't mean we'll make the plays. You know, again, we had the chance against Colorado and didn't. But in three of the last four games, we've had that chance, and we have. We have gotten the score. We have gotten the stop that we needed. 
So it, it shouldn't feel unusual. And the same for going on the road and playing. Again, I mean, it's it's weird how it works out, but, you know, you really look at this and three straight road games almost feel very similar. You're playing a, you know, a road game against a team ranked between, you know, 11 and 20. They're really good defensively. They stop the run. Uh, they're, they're not explosive offensively, but they're, you know, they're solid. Uh, and we found ways to win the first two, so let's try to make it three for three. And something you talked about in the Washington State recap, which is still available on iTunes because I know people go back and re-listen to all these. Right, of course. Yeah, sure, Um, sure. But one thing you talked about in that is when Jaden Daniels finds himself in a position the second time around, he changed. You know, we were in the Colorado game. We're down 34-31. We get the ball back. And in that game, we can't do anything. It's it's potentially the worst drive of the season. Probably was, at least at least with pressure, you know, at least with with game on the line. Uh, yeah, it was not good. And then yeah, second second chance at the bat, he looked much better. And he you know, they always say, I mean it seems cliche, but you watch football enough and it, it kinda of feels true. It's getting that first first down on a comeback drive. And the Colorado game we didn't get one. We went four and out, sacked on third down, fourth and long, nothing. Uh, this game you know, we got that first first down, and then it just kind of snowballs, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're inside their territory, and then you're inside the 30, and all of a sudden you're in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just need something to click, and yeah. the, the reliance yeah. on Eno Benjamin in that drive is, mm-hmm. is well, realistically, it's why he's leaving at the end of the year. Um, sure, sure. He's just that good. He, yeah, he's yeah. He's the one who he's should been, get the ball. When you yes. need something. Agreed. He agreed. He's been, it, it's been a strange year for him because certainly his numbers haven't matched what he was doing last year. And they probably at the end of the year won't come anywhere close to matching at least total yards, maybe touchdowns. Cause he has, he has had some good touchdowns, um, you know, numbers, but um, you know, I still think he's having a really good year. And I worried that the first couple games and it would lead to frustration and it would lead to pressing and it would lead to mistakes but he seems to have kind of found a rhythm of like, okay, it's, it's not as easy as it was last year, but I'm still going to find lots of ways to be a positive impact. And a, a credit to Rob Likens, you know, yes. that we're, we're going to keep running the ball. It, yeah. and if it doesn't yeah. work or we're, you know, only picking up two yards of crack or we're not, mm-hmm. we're, we're running the ball. We're not abandoning mm-hmm. the run. And mm-hmm. maybe no, some I mean, of that is because, you have a freshman quarterback, but I think it's a chicken and the egg thing. You True. don't abandon the run to protect him, and he is better because you don't abandon the run. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, and, I, and it's good that you bring him up because you know, watching that show last night, and then I read Haller did his his you know walk back from practice with him today or posted it today. Um, you know, you and I have both kind of pushed, and a, a lot of fans have as well pushed the. Is Rob Likens really up to the job? We did. I mean, I did it last year, halfway through the year. I thought we'd be looking at a new coordinator. Um, maybe it's time we get over that. You know, like I'm not saying he's he's you know a wonder boy, you know Lincoln Riley type of offensive genius. Yeah, he's not um, innovating like, but you know, no, but no, he's, he's not Mike Leach or or you know Sean McVay or these guys that you think, oh my God, they're just you know they can't be stopped. Now Sean McVay, it's a bad week to say that because. He has been stopped, but for the most part, you know, um, but he's found ways. I mean, you know, last year 
They found a way to take a team that seemed to be struggling to find any offensive identity three games into the year and found one. And so far this year, we're seeing the same type of thing. After three games, you would have thought, oh, God, this team's offense. Even though we were 3-0, and it still was like, wow, this offense is painful. And now three games later, like, okay, you know, we, we found something here. Benjamin's numbers are getting better. Daniels is getting better. Uh, offensive line, I mean, it's, it's still not great, but it's certainly a whole lot better feeling than it was after that Michigan State game. Oh, yeah. And the... I think the Michigan State drive, that's the turning point. We, it probably is. You know, yeah. we needed, yeah. you know, there's something to be said, especially in college, for momentum and, when yeah. you, and rising to the occasion. We needed mm-hmm. to have a touchdown drive. Yeah. And yeah. we got it. And then yeah. we and lost to Colorado. Three games that we had barely done anything offensively. Yeah. I mean, the first two games was a struggle. That game was a massive struggle until that point. Well, then we lose to Colorado, but that's not on the offense. The offense no, went shot for shot with them until that Played. final drive. Sure, sure. Their best performance of the year to that point. Uh, Washington State probably topped that now. But, yeah, they played better. And then, and then you know, we're, we're pretty good against Cal. I mean, good enough. You know, it wasn't – but that, again, that wasn't a game where you expected to score 35-plus. 24 points on the road at Cal, not bad. You know, I mean, like, that's a good defense and – it was enough to win, and, and I feel like this is a game that's similar to that. If we score 30-plus, I'll be delighted. I mean, that, that means we've really found something. Uh, uh, if we put up 30 points, we're winning. I'll, I'll go out I on a limb so right now. This I is not so going to be a game yeah, where we're going to so. lose 35-31. I would think not. No, no. I mean, this the defense feels like they are better positioned against teams like this that are kind of, you know, run first. They, they've got some problems when it comes to passing teams, and I think that starts with the pass rush that hasn't been very good at all. And and because of that, it's it's leaving the secondary kind of out to dry sometimes. Where, you know, if you can't get pass rush, yeah. it's difficult as a secondary. I believe again, Haller referred like this, to it. I, I, didn't Haller call it a no-man pass a rush? A no-man pass <laughs> rush. Yes, he did. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was probably true. You know, it has not been very good. Now, I will say, biggest play of the game, they came up with pressure with a four-man rush there last week, you know, to prevent them from having a throw in the end zone. But it hasn't been there at all consistently this year. And so, you know, that's one of those where you kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, passing teams are going to, they're going to have some success against us. Uh, I think that's just going to be the way it is. Um, But this is not that. This is a team that, you know, likes to run the ball with Huntley and with Moss. Um, You know, Huntley's a good quarterback. He's, it's not like he can't throw it, but he's not a, you know, if you're making him throw 40 plus times, we've done something good. Uh, you know, he is, is the conference's equivalent of a game manager on a good team. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, he's, he's that they're not built to, you know, throw for three fifty and four touchdowns. Um, it, it's just, you know, and if they do, they usually do that on, you know, 17 attempts because they're playing an overmatched team or something like that. It's not a, it's not a team that's built to, you know, throw that much. Um, so, you know, I feel like we can hang in. It's just, it's going to be that type of game, it feels like. If we're going to win it, it's going to be a grind it out, you know, run the ball, shorten the game, blah, 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 those cliches that you want to throw out there. But it's kind of worked this year. And I think it's going to have to work again in order to win this one. Yeah. Well, we will find out. I will 
almost certainly not see this game. I am attending a wedding on Saturday. This game kicks off at 6 Eastern. The wedding yeah. kicks off at 5 Eastern. So I, I feel confident that at best I'm going to be able to track it on my phone. Okay. Uh, and since it's on Pac-12 Network, no one's going to get to see it, so I'm not alone in this feeling. No, no, no. I'll, uh, I'm going to do my best to stream it and hopefully keep up, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, you know, just a, another Pac-12 Network game. And just like we forecasted, we have another one next week against UCLA. Yeah. So, It'd be nice if November would, would, you know, put us on regular TV for all four games. Uh, maybe that's too much to ask, but... I'm going to assume the Arizona game gets on regular TV. You would hope so, especially since they moved it to Saturday for TV purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you would certainly hope that's the case. And you would think USC and Oregon both do, too. I mean, Oregon, you know, very well could come in in the top ten in the country. I'd have to think that's going to be on a good slot. Although, Utah's number 13... And apparently that doesn't matter. So, Yeah. Well, we will recap the game. Without seeing it, I'm going to recap the game because <laughs> I'm a professional amateur. That's right. That's I'm right. a professional amateur podcast host. That's right. That's right. And that's good enough. Uh, but until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. And we're back because that was a fake ending. That was a fake ending. And that's we like are- the end of Wayne's World. We're not really going to end it that way. No, we're going to do the Scooby-Doo ending. Right, right, yeah. Um, so a couple of things that we had meant to come back to and circle back on that we didn't uh, because I am, again, just an amateur professional. Yeah, podcast. well, hey, I forgot to. So it's one of those things, but we're, we, we figure it out eventually. Um, so let's start with the uh, Twitter thread of a once and a presumably never again – Houston Cougars uh, student-athlete who was told to redshirt, effectively, or that he was being benched. Told Uh, to leave, I guess, yeah, because he's a 60-year guy, isn't he? So I don't think redshirting was even an option, basically. Now, we should should point out, I guess, that, you know, this is his account of things. And there may be two or three sides to this story. But, yeah, from his account, uh, I guess he was basically told that he was done. He's a so it's a grad transfer, sixth year of eligibility. Uh, came to Houston apparently on the promise of we're going to try to compete. We think we're going to be good. Mm-hmm. And after four games, it was announced that uh, De'Ari King was going to uh, redshirt and reassess yeah. his options. Their their top receiver was going to redshirt and reassess his options. Um, since then, a number of other players have decided to redshirt, and and it's clear that they are postponing uh, efforts to field a competitive football team until next season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what it seems like. Um, they've got some transfers that are sitting out this year, and and have you know, kind of you know, I guess uh, basically the belief is that. They've got a lot of defensive guys, especially next year, that can be better and uh, make them a better team. And I mean, it's it's an interesting approach overall. Um, and, you know, like we texted about. I mean, it's an interesting manipulation of this four game redshirt rule. And there's been a lot of, I think, surprises on on how that's been handled. Um, now, one of the things I was thinking about in relation to that is is this something that will continue because. You know, 
this new this rule is still new. And as coaches adjust to it and get true freshmen, I mean, because that's what it was designed for, true freshmen, play four games or less, keep your redshirt gear. As more coaches start doing that, if they do, then by the time guys get to be juniors and seniors, they don't have that redshirt gear still in, in the tank. You know, that this is a situation where guys have it because, you know, you played as true freshmen, now you've got it. Maybe we'll see less of that. But it, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's certainly unusual to see a college team basically say, okay, come back next year and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's very professional for a, yeah. for a sport that is supposed to be amateur. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and we've talked about that at, at length, and I'm sure. not going to belabor sure. the point, but, you know, <laughs> there are a number of teams that, you know, are not fielding competitive teams like the Dolphins, right. um, who Correct are games. clearly just waiting for let let's see next season. We're gonna that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna churn something out for next year, and we'll play guys who yeah, we, yeah. You know, now I get it in the pros. I mean, I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, but um, there's no draft know, pick here for Houston. There's not. That's the thing. I mean, that's the unusual thing with the. With the Dolphins, you can say, "Well, gosh, they have they have been treading water for about twenty years now. Uh, you know, since the Marino era came to an end, um, at least at quarterback, and that's such a big focal point of NFL teams now. They have been, you know, it's constant band aids. One year this guy, two years of that guy. Uh, they took Tannehill, and he was okay, but never anything great. Uh, and I think the feeling is, hey, if we're going to do it." We need to get the star quarterback. We need to get the guy we can build around. And I get it. You know, college is different, though, obviously. You know, that's that's not the same scenario. But this is kind of the perfect storm of elements. You've got a first-year coach who's got pretty strong job security because, you know, the, the guy, Tillman Fertitta, who's basically become the T-Boom Pickens of University of Houston, um, he put a lot of money into getting him from West Virginia. He wanted to come back. And there's a feeling of like, well, he ain't going anywhere for a while. Doesn't mean he's going to be there for 20 years. No one has that. But he's not in any jeopardy this year. They've got transfers that are ready, that are going to be able to play next year. So, you know, like it's it's certainly interesting, but is it something that we're going to see on any sort of regular basis? I don't think so. Because, again, you got to have some pretty strong job security to do that. And, you know, most coaches don't have that. I mean, you know, you, you go from, you know, king of the road. I mean, look at Jim Harbaugh. Three years ago, Jim Harbaugh, he could do no wrong. Now people want him out in Michigan. Uh, so, you know, it, it takes a lot of security in order to do that. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think we're going to see this happen a lot. But I do think that it is notable. That, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah definitely interesting and then certainly it's going to have the effect that it seems to with this kid of of alienating your seniors who aren't going to be back next year um and yet i guess i wonder too is it really that much different than any time a new coach comes in we've seen it obviously three different times as asu fans when a new coach comes in there's always attrition there's always guys who leave the program who you know they were recruited by the previous guy things just don't mesh and they're gone we saw it when the changeover to to Dennis Erickson. We saw it in the changeover to Graham, and we've seen it in the changeover to Herm. 
this one's a little bit, you know, a little bit sharper edged in a way, like, you know, but it, it's probably not all that different in substance. Yeah, I agree. Um, on a more substantive issue, you wanted to revisit the discussion about NBA, China, Steve Kerr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the Kerr, and, and obviously it's been in the news again this week because of LeBron's comments, and, uh, you know, we talked about LeBron's comments too, but, you know, I thought more about it and, and what Kerr said and what LeBron has ultimately said and what he probably should have said from the start has kind of persuaded me in a way. I mean, the last time we talked, I said, you know, well, boy, if you're going to, if you're going to speak out on issues, you, you got to speak out on these issues. And then I thought about it and I've kind of put myself in a little bit of the same scenario of like, okay, you know, you and I talk a lot about football. We talk a lot about basketball, but if you came to me and said, Hey, what's your thought on who's going to win the NASCAR point series? I'd be like, well, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, just because I'm a sports fan, does that mean I have to have an opinion on every sports issue? I don't think so. And so I've thought about that and thought, you know, maybe that's unfair for us to be like, well, you know, you've got an issue on this polit- or you've got an opinion on this political issue. You better have an opinion on every political issue. Maybe that's unrealistic and unfair. Yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting point uh, to consider. I think that the reason why people are skeptical is is a lot of what LeBron walked into on his first yeah. comment, which is yes, you had an opinion about things that didn't impact your bottom line. Your bottom line. Absolutely true. And now true. you do, you know? Yes. And, and that's accurate. And, and LeBron should have started out by saying what he said the next day, which is, you know, hey, I'm not a politician. I'm going to speak out on the issues I feel comfortable about. I'm not going to speak. He, he would have been better served doing that. Because what he said came off poor. Yeah. And and objectively, the you know, the fact that Daryl Morey tweeted this yeah. has raised the level of interest and understanding of the common sports fan about what this issue is. Oh far sure, beyond sure. I mean, it was a Feature piece of, you know, John Oliver's last week uh-huh. tonight. It was uh-huh. on Bill Simmons' podcast. It was on Zach Lowe's podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it was on Dunked On, Nate Duncan's podcast. Yeah, So there, yeah. you know, there are a lot of people who don't really delve into this world who were compelled to, to discuss it to do so sure, you know sure very true yeah i mean it, it you know and and i've heard other people uh, the guy one of the guys who was filling in um on levitard's show levitard's been off um but he made the point that you know a lot of businesses have and continue to you know make the choice to do business in china you know even though it may not they may not fit the american values of freedom and freedom of speech and blah 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 the NBA is far from the only one. Basketball players right. are far from the only one. Well, and this are, is you know, this is the criticism I heard game. of why why is the why is the point of the spear on this fight NBA products right. as opposed to Apple products? Every product, yeah, know? exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I read somebody on Twitter said something about you know I'm 
I mean, it was sarcastic, you know. I am so disappointed in LeBron, and now I'm going to express my disappointment by typing on this phone made in China and, and you know, wearing my, my sweatshirt that's made in China. And, like, I mean, it's true. There's a, there's a whole lot of hypocrisy going on with this from what LeBron said to what people have criticized LeBron, you know, the people who criticize LeBron, and, and certainly you made the point last time, and Kerr made this point too, that, you know, the people who have said, hey, why don't you stick to sports now are saying, well, wait a minute, you know, why don't you have anything to say on this? I mean, you know, everybody's got something to gain here in what they're saying. Um, you know, but I, I guess the one thing, and this was before everything LeBron said, but I, I just, you know, I, I, try, I try my best to not dig my heels in on things and, and say, well, this is my opinion and that's it. And after talking to you and reading what Kerr said, I thought, you know, uh, I, I feel a little bit differently than, than my initial reaction. Do I still see the point of people being skeptical of the fact that, hey, all of a sudden you're reticent to talk about something when you've got, you know, that you and your, your industry has financial risks? Yeah, I see that. And, and there's probably some of that that's very true. But you know what? I'm going to take Kerr as word. Kerr is, uh, you know, again, I like Steve Kerr. I've never found him to be too disingenuous. And if he says, you know what, this is just an issue I'm not comfortable talking about, then okay. You know, I mean, that's fair. I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm changing my tune a little bit on that. Yeah. Well, and it's a complex and complicated issue. As are a lot of political things. Oh, it certainly is. Certainly is. And, yeah. Yeah. and the NBA has overwhelmingly, I feel, allowed their personalities, players and coaches, to speak their minds, opine sure. on things going on in, in the public square. Yeah. And that comes with certain risks. Risk. And, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the and NBA has... Yeah, the NBA has invested, I think this was a point John Oliver made, more than any other league, the NBA has invested in and built up a relationship with the Chinese market. Oh yeah, oh gosh yeah, more and, than any sport. that they've, they've embraced it from you know, Yao Ming's days. It goes back about 20 years now. And the problem when you do something like that and you put a lot of eggs in that basket is if you don't account for the fact that that relationship could be disrupted, <laughs> sure, sure, it becomes a it becomes a real threat. You know, I, I heard some suggestion. I think it was on Zach Lowe's podcast that one of the concerns was about the Maury tweet from players who are on the overseas trip to China was, <laughs> well, we weren't consulted on this, and now how are we supposed to handle this? True, you know, and, and that's fair. That's, we, I mean, that's you know, a fair and, and a lot them. of them could have said, had they been allowed to give interviews, right. Uh, right. could have said, "I didn't want to be in the middle of this media sure. storm. Sure. I didn't invite this conversation. Uh, I have my personal views, uh, you know." But they, sure. they just kind of got, you know, dumped on as a result of the yeah. tweet. And look. Hard to argue in the abstract with the idea that freedom of speech is good. However, it comes with a cost. It does. It does. And, and you know, the Chinese people don't feel that way. I mean, that, that's just a fact. Like, you know, that's, that's an American value. That's, a, you know, in a lot of countries, you know, but China, they don't, they don't feel that way. 
like it's just not how they feel. And and by doing business with them, you're you know in a way you're accepting that hey, this is this is their value. And uh, you know like, but is doing business with them meaning that you should somehow try to change their perspective? I don't think so necessarily. So I mean it, you know like look we, we you know people have different opinions and and the you know Chinese culture is not the American culture. Certainly not in that way, and in a lot of other ways, too, I'm sure. Um, it's not valued there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's, it's, it's you know, it's penalized. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, the LeBron thing, you know, I guess it, I guess it bothers me a bit. I mean, I, you know, again, I still like LeBron. I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, oh, I hate LeBron now. But, you know, the whole notion of like, oh, he could have waited a week to send that, which he said on Twitter – you know, LeBron wouldn't like it if someone, you know, when he had come out and, you know, made his statements about Trayvon Martin and blah, blah, blah. LeBron wouldn't have liked it if someone said, you know, you could have waited a week. He, you know, would have been, you know what, it's important to say now. And I would have agreed with him then. Well, and so this whole ha- notion know, of like, you should have thought of us, like, eh, that that rings hollow. Well, and it's, you know, I think uh, not a perfect counterpoint to that is, you know, but worth considering in this same discussion, mm-hmm. the Donald Sterling stuff with the Clippers. You know, sure. the players all took their jerseys off or, or you know, right. turned them inside out, their warm-ups. Right. And it's like, right. yeah, that okay, you you did that. You uh-huh. could have waited till after the postseason to... You could have, you, you could have. But yeah, they felt it was important to speak out now. And, and you know, now... The, the interesting thing about this, and, and he has been completely silent, and I'm sure because the league has told him to, is, you know, what is Daryl Morey's motivation with this? I mean, is he really, is he that invested in it? Or was it a, an offhand sort of comment that he didn't give much thought to and didn't realize what the ramifications be? I don't know. I don't know. But if it really is something that he feels strongly about to say, you know, well, you should have waited a week until, like, that's, that's self-serving in, in, in the grandest way. You know, you should have waited until it was comfortable for me to take your stand. That's basically what LeBron is saying there. Yeah. Um, I think now we're going to do the real ending. Yes. Yes. The mega happy ending. We'll be back to recap the Utah game, talk about everything else that happened, and maybe have another false finish because that is the way of professional wrestling and that's the way of (laughs) podcasts sometimes. Yeah, this was one of those like Vince McMahon came out and said, hey, restart the match. So until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. I think the next time will be later. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>